Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. Hi, I am back again today, and I am here with my guests. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Obi. I am an ex-Mormon. I've been freed from that for about nine months now, and I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, it's great having you on here. And now tell us a little bit about what made you want to leave the Mormon church or Mormon cult? Well, there are a lot that went into that decision. Ultimately, what kind of broke my shelf, what broke the camel's back for me was realizing I didn't want to continue making excuses for blatantly sexist and racist and homophobic things that the church had been doing. And now what are some of those racist, homophobic, and sexist things that they did? Well, I mean, if you look into the history of Mormonism, they have a very long history, over 140 years, where they wouldn't allow specifically black people to participate in a lot of their rights that they believe would get you into heaven, such as their endowments initiatories or holding the priesthood or being able to have basically any authority in the church. And so that they have that history and then that history is carried on into their culture with a lot of, especially older generation Mormons uh, thinking of ways that they excuse that kind of, of teachings in their church. And so that was a major one. And then the, another issue almost along the same lines was the only people who are allowed to really hold authority in the church in the Mormon church and for Mormons are the are people who were assigned male at birth and who still identify as male. So cis, cis white men are basically the only people who are allowed to hold a, a positions of authority inside the church. And that for many years it was I just kind of put it to the side as a oh, God's just weird or you know, the church tends to be 20 years behind the times and it'll eventually change. And then I realized that wasn't a very healthy mindset and just really thought about it and thought, what if it's not true? Is that what an organization I want to be associated with? And so I, after asking those questions and, and deciding to do a little bit deeper digging beyond what my personal feelings were. That's when I came to the conclusion that it wasn't real. It was just teaching bigoted and hateful doctrine that was incredibly harmful to people I know and love as well as to myself. And what are some of the ways that it harmed you? Oh, there's a lot that we, we could go into there. I mean, physically, I so I served as a missionary for two for a year and a half in Taiwan. In that, in those eighteen months, I ended up in the hospital or having a doctor's visit about sixteen times. On two separate occasions, I had a fever between one hundred and six and one hundred and seven for about seven to ten days straight. So you have those physically damaging parts from the mission, which I'm still recovering from a lot of the injuries I sustained out there, they really don't put any focus on on 
physical health or mental health for the the missionaries out there. And so that was one of the ways that I've been hurt by it, but even more so because of their teachings, one of their documents that they have out there is called the Family Proclamation to the World, which they claim to be revelation from God, or at least that was the claim when I left. I don't know. They change things every couple of years. <laughs> so it may not be revelation from God now, but it was when I left. And basically that document, it's a long-winded way of them saying, we believe in traditional gender roles and that they're divinely inspired and everybody has to be cis and het in order to make heaven. And anything outside of that is going to be the destruction of the world. So that that's one of their linchpin doctrines around family member and stuff. And that prevented me from being able to feel comfortable and from really understanding that I could or should I, uh, explore my own identity. And when I started to recognize different things that made me realize I wasn't straight, that uh, terrified me, threw me into panic state. And at times it put me in a depressed state because I thought I was broken and that God didn't want me or if I were to accept that part of who I am, that I'd somehow be offending the great all-powerful being in the universe. And now, have you officially left or just unofficially left? So I stopped attending. I stopped calling myself a Mormon, and I have nothing to do with the church. However, I haven't removed my records. I'm waiting to be able to, to time it with a major event that major scandal that happens with the church because the church doesn't tend to respond to anything except for outside pressure or people leaving the the LDS church. They don't change willingly, basically. And so I'm hoping to be able to use my resignation to throw it into the statistic of this happened and a thousand people resigned from the LES church. And that uh, that's where I'm at. I'm basically saving it for a protest resignation. And now where you don't go anymore, has that affected your relationships with your family or friends at all? Well, in an interesting way, yes and no. So I've only told three of my family members that I've left, I've only, and that's because I felt comfortable telling them. The other ones I haven't told likely never will, unless I I feel like I could safely and comfortably do so. The interesting thing is there with a lot of Mormons is, especially in the past, like they they have a lot of rhetoric, harmful rhetoric against apostates, where. It's you're destroying your family if you leave. You're doing all these things that are just cruel to your family. You know, you should just suck it up and suffer through this in order to make it to where your family can be comfortable or, or stuff like that. that is basically their message. That's not really that's obviously paraphrasing, but that's basically what their message is to and about apostates. And so that's pretty harmful for family members and stuff and stuff. So I personally have, have been avoiding bringing that up 
I'm not gonna, I don't hide that I don't follow the rules of the church anymore, but just for, for my own mental health and for all of that, I, I've avoided bringing that up. I also moved right about the time that I left the church. And so I didn't have a lot of friends anyway. So <laughs> it's been a great way to meet new people who actually have very similar ideals and thoughts as I do, because I didn't find that very often in Mormonism. So now what are some ways your life is better since you've left? There's a world of ways that it's improved. One, I have friends who are like legitimate friends who enjoy having me around and I enjoy having them around. And that's been a huge improvement in my life. One that I didn't really get to experience uh, while Mormon. Um, I feel all my feelings <laughs> rather than turning them off. I, 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 I don't have a lot of the stigmas against what previously I'd considered negative emotions such as anger or sadness or anything like that. Those are just emotions. They're, they're just are. And I get to enjoy the full breadth of the human experience now because I have been able to throw that off. And that wasn't something I was able to do as a Mormon. I get to feel so much more and I get to have much deeper and more real connections with different people in my life. And that has been a beautiful thing for me. And now did toxic positivity in the church ever harm you? Probably. I was aware of the facade the whole time. That uh, Basically, everybody else was in that, was put on a show and everything. And I also sometimes would put on the show, but I was aware of that. When I was struggling, most other people were struggling just as much as I was. They just put on a mask. And I I recognized that was a harmful thing. So it wasn't as big of a deal for me. What was it like for you growing up in the Mormon church? Oh, that there was a lot there. Uh, so I had a very unique brand of Mormonism that I grew up in. Well, not so much unique, but I grew up in Southeast Idaho, which, if you don't know, is an extremely conservative area. Combine that with Mormonism, and it's fun. It's fun. My parents were doomsday preppers. We had a we had two tents that were about six hundred and twelve hundred square feet, respectively, which is bigger than my apartment right now. <laughs> so it was a lot of extreme prepping, a lot of anti-authority, anti-government vibes that fed into some of the Mormon historical persecution complex. Because Mormons, well, if you look into the actual history, they caused a lot of problems and started most of the fights that they lost. But they like to, to play the victim. And so combining that with an extremely conservative upbringing and everything led to a lot of anti-government sentiments as well as anti-establishment sentiments. And there was also a lot of conspiracy theories around that because, you know, we believed in magic. People would, you know, 
magic Jesus would come and, and save us and everything. So obviously the world's going to get really, really bad. And it already is all, all these secret stuff going on and all that jazz. And so, yeah, apparently I lived through three different years where Jesus was supposed to come back. If he did, he never told, he never told the Mormons that he was back, but yeah, my, that was a huge part of my upbringing. There was a lot that happened with that and it was really wild. Sounds like it. And now, did you ever feel like the youth programs, young men, young women, whichever you attended was harmful? There were a lot of harmful things taught in and sexist things taught in the youth programs in in, in the LDS church because they one, the young men's and young women's very different activities, very different budgets. Young men typically got an outsized budget compared to the young women, which meant, you know, you got to do all the fun stuff, whereas the young women would be stuck in the church not doing that. And that sent a message to, you know, younger me, younger men that, uh, yeah, you're just, you're not necessarily better than them, but you do get entitled to better stuff. And that was, that's a harmful thing to, to teach and to display to young people. Beyond that, you have an extreme focus on purity culture there, which is also dangerous for development of young people. And combine that with, uh, with a, uh, a constant pressure for there to be spiritual experiences and other things that just guide the whole experience there, it really leads to unhealthy mindsets and unhealthy behaviors that at least delay a lot of important development for young people. Yeah, it can be so harmful. And now, do you have any children? Uh, yeah, I do. I have a little kiddo. They're about... Uh, little over a year old now cutest cutest little kid and so chill they're just like the perfect kid if every kid was like them that would be dangerous there'd be a lot of kids in the world because they're amazing <laughs> did they play a role in you wanting to leave actually no but they have played a role since in me recognizing some of the more dangerous parts of the church, such as getting an eight-year-old to commit to a lifelong commitment to the church, to always listen to the church and follow the church's rules and do all these different things. Um, and just recognizing how that's not okay. That, you know, eight years of indoctrination leading up to them making a lifetime commitment and then pretending it that it was all their decision. That's not okay. Those, they, they, Kids that young don't know what they're getting into. They don't recognize what the church is about, and they're not able to fully comprehend what they're doing. They're, they're still very much in a developmental age, and so that's it's not okay. So it's interesting you mention lack of consent and lack of knowledge. So what are your thoughts on how people go through the temple with the lack of knowledge and lack of consent and kind of just being tricked into it. 
Yeah. And this is where it's actually a lot of the Mormons are very clever about how they do things with people. They convince people that they made a choice. They were given an out to not do this, but there wasn't a real choice because they don't give all of the information that that somebody would need to make an actual choice. A great example is, yeah, you pointed out with the temple. The temple has a lot of very extreme promises that you make. You promise to give all of your time, all of your money, all of your resources, everything, all of your talents, everything to the church. But you aren't given a way to say no to that, except for before it happens, before you know what you're promising. Basically, they say, listen, if anyone doesn't want to make the promises here, you can leave. And then after nobody leaves, they say, okay, cool. These are the promises you're going to make. You already had your option to leave. Since you didn't leave, these are the promises. And now you have to make those promises that you're going to give basically your entire life over to the church. That's not okay. You have to just getting convincing someone to say yes to something without letting them have the full awareness of the situation is not consent. It's not okay. It's coercive. It's, it's wrong. It's dishonest. And those are a lot, almost every step of, of the way dealing with something that deals with, with Mormonism. That's the MO is, oh, we just have to get them to say yes. Doesn't matter how we do it. Doesn't matter if we're being fully honest or transparent with all these things. We just have to get them to say yes. And then if they throw a fit afterwards, well, you had a choice. You're the one who decided this, even though you really didn't. And now you have mentioned being part of the LGBTQ+. How was it when the November 2015 policy came out? So I was actually a missionary at that time. And they control the information that missionaries have very heavily. So. I didn't really know much about it. I was in a foreign country, didn't have access to the news. They controlled my the information I was that was disseminated out to me. So I didn't really know what was going on. At the time, I was I, I had a lot of internalized homophobia. And so I was very deep in the closet about things and just not self-aware and not willing to accept that that side of me. So I, one, I never, I didn't hear about it until about nine to 10 months after it happened. That's about when I got back from home from my mission and started going to school. And I heard it was a thing. People were upset about it, but mostly anger had already fizzled off by that time. Or at least most of the big newsworthy events had fizzled off by that time. So I, I wasn't really aware of it, unfortunately. As we get close to wrapping up, is there anything else you would like to add? Um, you know what? Life is so much brighter on, on the outside. It's, it's like before I was living in a black and white two-dimensional cartoon that didn't really feel 
real. I could tell it wasn't real, but it also was the only thing I was used to. And now I'm out. The world's become this beautiful 3D place with full of color, full of all these nuanced things and all these different things. And everything is just so much more vivid out here. And that's been an amazing experience for me. It's obviously there are painful parts that come with that in having to deal with people who still are in, in the Mormon church who can't accept me as I am, especially my family. That's painful, but Overall, it has been one of the most positive experiences of my life. And now, what are three tips you have for people who are looking to leave Mormonism? Three tips. Uh, I'd say tip number one, do some research. Try to get an understanding. Recognize that the the Mormon church is not the only one who has all the information and that there are viable good sources outside of Mormonism that that can provide you a lot of really good in, insight into the history and issues with with Mormonism. Beyond that some more practical advice though when you do choose to leave I know for me I wanted I basically I started by like basically telling everyone all my some of my closest friends and some of my family members who I knew weren't full as extreme in Mormonism. I wanted to tell a lot of people, but I'd be selective with who you tell that you're leaving, at least initially. Kind of fill it out and and make sure that it's a safe thing for you to do. And then a final thing is look for a community outside. There, There are so many of us. There are so many of us out there who are ready, willing, and happy to to give you a hand and to help you with deconstructing and and your the life so much better. So do your research, be careful of who you tell that you're leaving, and and then find a community and go live a happy life. And then the very final question is Ex-Mormons tend to get a mean, angry, bad rep, especially with true-believing Mormons. What is one thing you can say to dispel that myth that we're all have horns sticking out of our head and we just cover them up? Well, I mean, that's why we grow our hair out is because you, you got to hide it. Recognize there, there aren't a ton of, of bald ex-Mormons, so you got that. But <laughs> I'll be honest, we, a lot of us have been hurt. A lot of us are, are in pain and in these cycles and continually hurt by what's happened and everything and are processing that. And that's okay. But we're also not just, that's not the only thing that's going on in our lives. We're not just constantly in these states of being uh, triggered by religious trauma and spiritual trauma. but we also have a lot else going on where we get to hang out with, with friends. We're happy. We, we have so much more depth of emotion outside what we do when we interact with the church. And I know that uh, a lot of particularly true believing Mormons will characterize us as, oh, they're just angry. Well, 
generally we're just angry around you because you won't stop bringing it up and we really just want to move on. Well, it's been great having you and thanks for coming on. Thank you. I've had a lot of fun here. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.